What are some common cases that bring nurses to court and the outcomes of each of these cases? Oh my gosh. Is mandating a nurse to do overtime or on-call legal? What would you say to a nurse who's coming on shift who has received a very risky assignment that they don't feel comfortable taking? Have you ever represented any nurses who have been fired for posting on social media? Should nurses buy their own malpractice insurance? What is your advice for any nurse who's been called to defend their charting and nursing interventions and the like in court? Um, get an attorney. Go pull a couple of charts from six months ago. If you were put on the stand about it, would you be able to remember based on your documentation? What is up guys, Jason here. Welcome back to the channel and our series, Nurses to Riches, The Road to Fire. In this episode, we're going to be speaking with Lori, a nurse who switched gears, went back to school and became a nurse attorney. She now has four businesses, a law firm where she defends nurses before the licensing board. She does legal nurse consulting and mentors legal nurse consultants. And she also mentors nurse business owners to grow their businesses. So with that said, Lori, I asked our viewers to submit questions for this video and we received over 60 questions. I'm gonna ask you the questions in order from the least liked to the most liked. So for our viewers out there, if you wanna hear the best questions, make sure you stick around all the way to the end. Now, Lori, for our first question, what is the step-by-step -step process of becoming a nurse attorney and why did you become one? Okay, so I first became a registered nurse and I practiced for a couple of years, but when I was new and green, like literally two weeks on the floor, I had a patient code and, you know, my initial response was, thank God it's not my patient because I was so new. And so I was taking care of my patients as well as the more seasoned nurses who were in the code. And so one of them came out and said, can you get a GOMCO suction from Central Supply? And unlike back in those days, I always joke I was a nurse when the dinosaurs roamed the earth because I was wearing whites. I've never worn scrubs. And so I called Central Supply and said, hey, we need this GOMCO suction. Like unlike today where suction comes out of the wall, you had to get this machine, this big clunky machine from Central <laughs> Supply, which is always on the basement floor. And so I called and I remember like being at the linen cart with the corded phone and I'm asking this woman to bring up the equipment. And you know what she said to me? No. She said, we don't deliver. And I thought oh my gosh, you know, here I am watching my patients and the other nurses' patients, and now they're not going to deliver this life-saving equipment. And despite my pleading, she just wasn't budging. And so I don't remember what happened, but the next day I got called into my unit manager's office and she said, Lori, I'm really sorry, but I have to write you up for the way you spoke to the person from Central Supply. And I'm like, I'm just, I was just advocating for our patients up here to get the life-saving equipment. Um, she didn't give me any tools to improve communication or anything. Apparently, I was the only person in the hospital they didn't know didn't deliver. And so I was devastated. I'm like, what's going to happen to my career? I got written up and I just felt so alone and unsupported. You know, it would have been great if she would have said, look, you know, here's a class you could take on communications or whatever. And again, I was just advocating. So I was devastated. And I thought, you know what, if I'm a unit manager, this won't happen because I will take care of my staff. I will advocate for them. I will make sure that they have what they need to be successful. And I wouldn't let them go downstairs and leave all these patients to get equipment. So that day I decided I'm going to get my master's. So I have a master's in nursing, clinical nursing, specialist in med surge and in administration. And then a couple of years later, I realized as a unit manager, if you don't conform to administration, you leave. And so at that time I was going through a divorce and I had a great divorce attorney. I had never planned to be an attorney. And I thought, 
well, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And so I'm grateful. I feel like I have the best job in the world because I help nurses. I help them with license issues and to start a business if they want to get out of corporate healthcare. Did I answer your question? You did. You did. And okay. where do you, where did you start out your career? Um, so I went to Indiana University for undergrad and I moved to California, Los Angeles. I had seven job offers. So you started out with an associate's degree at the time? A bachelor's from Indiana University. And then I went to UCLA for my master's. And then I moved back to Indiana and uh, was working at our county hospital in Indianapolis for a couple of years as a unit manager when I got divorced and said, okay, it's time for law school. So I went to Indiana University for law school. So how many years did you practice as a nurse before you decided to go to law school? Um, Like 10 maybe, but I've actively practiced like even as I became an attorney, the first three years, I did home health care infusion therapy because when you start as an attorney, you take a pay cut from nursing, believe it or not. So what are the four businesses that you own and how did you go about building these businesses? Well, yeah, I know it's crazy. I had never planned to start a business. That's another story. (laughs) Uh, I was a partner in a law firm doing medical malpractice defense. And I started their health law division. And the largest insurance company that I represented went out of business. And my partners came to me and said, Lori, I'm sorry, you don't have a job. And I was devastated. I couldn't believe it. I was pregnant with my second child and I hadn't told them yet. And I was like, how am I going to feed my kids? I have two degrees, but I couldn't go back to nursing because it had gone to 12 hour shifts. And law, I didn't have clients to bring with me. So I'd have to start below nursing again, which I didn't want to do. So I hung out my shingle starting to do legal nurse consulting. So that was the first practice that I had. And it took me five years uh, to get my practice to the point in legal nurse consulting where I had eight legal nurse consultants working for me. They came on a Monday, they got a case, they brought the case back the next Monday with the work product and got a check. And so that went on. But about maybe 10 years ago, something like that. I decided to do professional licensing defense. So I always say I empower nurses at the bedside and in business because I help because once I figured out the secret on how to have a successful business, my law practice, the professional licensing defense within nine months instead of five years, I got to the point where I made more money than as a legal nurse consultant. And so I continued to do both. And then I said, well, I know how to start a business. Why don't I help nurses become legal nurse consultants and have a successful business? And then I also help nurse business owners. So four different practices and I help a lot of nurses. I feel like I'm a nurse for nurses. <laughs> That's amazing because you mentioned before we started recording that I did speak with Liz, who's a legal nurse consultant. Would you say that becoming a legal nurse consultant is a good segue to becoming a nurse attorney? Well, as I said, to be honest with you, Jason, if I wasn't already an attorney doing legal nurse consulting, I would just do legal nurse consulting. Why? Because as I said, when I, as attorneys, you sometimes get paid less than a nurse and at least in the beginning. So as a legal nurse consultant, you can charge like up to $200 an hour. And if you're charging $200 an hour, how many hours a week would you have to bill to make over a hundred thousand? Don't do the math. Just, just name it. It's really uh, crazy. 10, 10 hours. Exactly. Bingo. 10.4. Exactly. Okay. So when I was at the law firm, I was working like a dog, you know, 70, 80 hours a week. I would always there on Saturdays. Uh, in fact, I remember bringing my son to the law firm on Saturdays while I worked and he was, wow. he was just a baby and no wonder why he's a lawyer today. 
<laughs> you primed them good. Yeah, he, he didn't have a choice. He, it was yeah. osmosis. <laughs> so, you know, one thing that I did notice about interviewing Liz, who is the legal nurse consultant, is that most of the cases that she dealt with had to do with working for the attorneys themselves, as opposed to protecting a nurse and the nurse's license. Right. So what would be the difference between being a nurse attorney and a legal nurse consultant? So as an attorney, you can represent people before the licensing board. And so that's what I do. So you have to have a law degree to do that. But to be a legal nurse consultant, attorneys are hiring you for your nursing knowledge, not your legal knowledge. So any nurse can be a legal nurse consultant. Gotcha. So is being a nurse attorney your specialty or can you help in other areas such as oh. like somebody asked me like real estate inquiries? Can you help with something like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. A nurse that I represented in a divorce and her ex-husband stalked me. That was not fun. Um, it was very scary. What? Wow. Yeah, it was. Uh, so you can actually do anything. I've done a number of wills and trusts for people. I dabble, like, because I'm an attorney, I can do medical malpractice myself. I don't need to have another attorney. And I just settled a, a large case with that. So yeah, as an attorney, you can do anything in the law. It's, you know, I just have two degrees. I happen to be a nurse as well as an attorney. And how did you build up your clientele over time? Did you market yourself and your business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so mainly I wrote a book, uh, Law and Order for Nurses, The Easy Way to Protect Your License and Your Livelihood. I've actually written, I'm on my sixth book now. The next wow. one's going to be called Code New. And I'm really okay. excited about it. It's about, you know, reinventing yourself as a nurse to do a business or whatever career that you want. But a book just came out earlier this year called Shiftless. And it's all about how to become a legal nurse consultant. Is legal nurse consulting right for you? How do you find the time to do all of this? <laughs> So we all have the same amount of hours in the day. It's how we use that time. And the only thing that separates me from Tony Robbins and Oprah is how I spend my time. Are you going to watch, spend it watching Netflix or are you going to, are you going to work? Give me an example of what your day looks like from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. What is it that you do? Oh gosh. And um number of things. So I've already um, met with a client on Zoom this morning. When um, a person gets a complaint before the licensing board, we have to respond. So I wrote her response. I talked with my team to get us set up for the day. I have the podcast. <laughs> I've got a couple more clients this afternoon. And, you know, if a client gets done early, instead of just, you know, wasting time, I'll sit and start writing on the book. I just make use of my time well. You know, I look at my calendar. Yeah. It looks pretty busy, right? <laughs> From what you tell me, though, it sounds like your calendar is way busier than mine. Yeah, it's, it's pretty back to right. back. But. Yes. Well, you know, that's what it takes to get to the level you're at. and. Yeah. I commend you for it because for people that say that they want to accomplish certain things, if you don't work for those things, there's no way you can get to that level, right? Well, the other thing is leveraging. It's really important to have team around you so that you're only doing the things which I call are in your unique brilliance. And that came from one of my mentors. The things that you'd love to do, would do all day long, that you're great at, that come easily and effortless to you. But to other people, it, it's harder. Okay, so let's get on to the next question. Okay. How much do you typically earn on an average year or how much does an attorney with the four businesses that you own would potentially be able to earn on a yearly basis? 
Okay, so let's just talk about how much a typical attorney earns, and it's based on geographic area. I know my son just graduated law school, and he's working for the Court of Appeals in Indianapolis. And so when you work for the state, you make a lot less. And that's when I first started. I worked for the state defending the patient's compensation fund for medical malpractice victims. So when you work for the state, you make a lot less. And it also depends on geographic area, too. So obviously, the coasts are going to pay more than inland. So if you want a job, they always say at big firms, they pay really well, but you work like a dog. And, you know, I started at, you know, a medium-sized firm and worked all the time. So again, I make more than I ever did as a partner in a law firm now, and I'm extremely grateful for that. So starting out, if you work in like New York City, you know, and you're probably working 80 hours a week and you're in the library the whole time doing research, you're probably going to make about 250000 And that would be the top for a new nurse if you were on the coast. And then if you were working for the state, obviously it's a lot less. It's probably under 100000 So it just varies greatly. Once you become a partner and you're bringing people in, bringing clients in, then you make more, but it takes a while to get to that. And I also, to be honest with you, I don't think that the uh, attorneys understand the value of having a nurse as well as an attorney because there's not very many of us. I'm a member of the American Association of Nurse Attorneys, and I have been a member since law school, but I was the president in 2021. Okay. You have four businesses, correct? Yes. And can you just go over all of those four businesses again? I, I don't remember exactly what they were. Okay. So I do legal nurse consulting myself. And the beauty of legal nurse consulting is once you get your stable of clients, they continue to use you. So even though I haven't marketed for legal nurse consulting in years, I still get clients. And the second business is the professional licensing defense, the law practice. Uh, The third is I work with legal nurse consultants on how to start and grow their business. And that's the shift list book that I mentioned. And then the other thing I do is I help nurse business owners start and grow businesses. So I mean, you can technically put them together, but you're marketing to different people. So you know what? You didn't list the books that you've written as a business, but in a way, they're earning you passive income, right? They, because they you write are. books. And I have a bunch of digital courses online, but um, I would prefer to to mentor people in groups live because the benefit of mentoring people in groups live is that they get personal attention and they can ask questions. Versus on the digital programs, they can't ask questions. So I'm not a digital digital course person, I'd much rather talk to somebody live, but I was trying to leverage at the time. So I recorded everything and made products out of them. So out of all of these businesses, which is your highest earning? You know, it's so funny, the law practice and then the helping nurse business owners. Some months, one's higher than the other, the other months, other way. So it just depends. So what are some common cases that bring nurses to court and the outcomes of each of these cases? Oh my gosh. Um, Well, (laughs) you know, obviously substance abuse is is a big one. And unfortunately, if you get a medication out of the Pixis, hold on to it too long before administering it, they're thinking that you put saline in there or something else. In terms of if you don't sign something out, you're stealing it. And if you're not using it yourself, you're selling is how they look at it, unfortunately. So you've got to be perfect with these narcotics. You can't... 
I mean, back when I did it, they, they put them right in the drawer with the rest of the meds and, you know, you put them in your pocket and forget about it. You've got to be super careful with those narcotics. Um, you've got to make sure that they're properly signed out. I really don't like those nursing homes that they have a sheet that you do the count on the sheet. And that's just dangerous. And so if you see a practice that you don't think is proper, say something because you could be saving your license as well. So I don't know if you're aware of the Redonda Vought case, but oh, if yeah. you are, what's your opinion on the Redonda Vought outcome and the likely outcome of her petitioning her license to be reinstated? Well, I had the pleasure of meeting her uh, a oh. couple of weeks ago, and uh, hopefully we may um, do something together in the future is my hope. But I, I don't think nurses should be criminalized for just doing their job. And what I found, I actually spoke on that to Hackensack Meridian Medical Center and did a bunch of research on it. And uh, the, apparently there have been criminal cases against nurses and other healthcare professionals for years, but social media just obviously gave a lot of attention to this one. I I absolutely do not think she should be criminalized. I don't think her license should have been revoked. I think, it, you know, I, my philosophy is rehabilitation rather than punitive. Do I think she's going to get her license back with this appeal? No. I think the standard of review is really high for these appeals. And again, I just don't think it will happen, but I, I hope I'm wrong. She's a lovely person. The way she's handled everything has been with grace and dignity, and it shows a lot about her character. Another question that I got from our viewers is, have any of your clients ended up in jail and for what reason? Oh my gosh. Um, a lot of it, like I had one nurse who was uh, working New Year's and she knew if New Year's Eve night shift, and she knew that if she had worked New Year's Eve, uh, if she was sick, that the other nurses would be angry. They'd be working short. Who's going to come in on New Year's Eve? So she went in and she had a terrible migraine and she took morphine. She had never taken a narcotic before and she got a criminal charge for theft Actually, it wound up to be theft of a syringe, but that is a criminal matter. And yeah. so I've had a lot of nurses with criminal issues, usually surrounding drugs, but I've had some patient abuse issues that they've been charged, things like that. I had one that there was some Lovenox left in the drawer and they're like, well, you must have not gave it. And she got a blood clot. So they called it interference with health care and charged her. Wait, the patient ended up getting a blood clot? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So she she actually won that that trial. So and unfortunately, you know, if you're faced with going to jail or going to prison or taking a deal, most nurses take the deal, and it's unfortunate because you have to plead guilty, and that has serious ramifications with your license. Okay, so another question we have is: Can a nurse still travel as a nurse after they have been reported to the board of nursing and had no sanctions against them? Um, you can, as long as it's a confidential, uh, like a, in the investigation phase, it's usually confidential. So if no action was taken, no, uh, you can you can still travel. It just depends on your nursing license in the other states. However, if you just get a reprimand, that's still discipline, and it could affect your ability either to get licensed in another state or to even have the compact. Interesting. And is it legal for a full-time home health nurse paid by the hour to chart at home, but that charting time is not considered overtime in California. Okay. So you, you shouldn't chart at home because who knows who's going to see it? Is it HIPAA protected? You know, you really should chart when you're, when you're at the patient's house and you shouldn't do anything that's not paid for. And I know a lot of people do, especially APRNs, because they just don't have time in their day to do it. But I just think it's a bad practice. If something happens to you, you're not covered by work comp. You really shouldn't do anything off the clock. Makes sense. So I have another question 
question from one of our viewers. This is kind of a lengthy one, but it goes with another question that was asked by our viewers. What are common ways to protect yourself as a nurse in hospitals, long-term care facilities, acute living facilities? What are the most common nurse cases that you run into and how can we as nurses avoid running into those situations? So I've got several answers to this, but I think the the most simple would be just act as if you're on camera all the time. Don't do anything you wouldn't want somebody else to see or don't say anything you wouldn't want somebody else to hear because those things get twisted and then you get into a he said, she said situation. The board's job is to protect the public and not you. And even though they're nurses, it doesn't matter. They have a job to protect the public. And if there's any concern about the public, they're going to take action. So I would just, you know, follow your policies and procedures to the letter. Always know your Nurse Practice Act and then document, document, document. Documentation will save you every time, every time. Okay, that's going to lead on to a question that I have later on in the video. So, but the next question is, is mandating a nurse to do overtime or on-call legal? It depends on your state, what your state's labor law is or employment law. Uh, I'm pretty sure it is, but it just, again, it's probably on a state-by-state basis. In the states where I work at, it's legal. I see. All right. And someone asked, well, they want to know if it is really patient abandonment if you clock in but refuse your assignment. Okay, you can't you can't do that. If you are scheduled, except in like I think in two states. California has the if you haven't been trained, if you're floated somewhere and you haven't been trained, you can refuse the assignment. In Texas, I believe they have like a safe harbor law that if you feel like you have a bad assignment, it's too difficult, you can do something like that. But again, I'm not licensed in Texas. Yeah. Uh, or California, so I don't know, even though I live in California. (laughs) Uh, So I would say it's not a good practice. And I'm licensed in Indiana and Illinois, at least in Indiana, if you leave, they call it patient abandonment. I've had discussion with people about it. They're like, it's not patient abandonment, it's job abandonment. I don't care what you call it. It's not okay. If you're scheduled that day, you can't just walk out and and leave. You can't, period. So if you are working in a place, this is my favorite quote from me, if you're working in a place that you think they put your license in jeopardy, you can always get another job. You can't get another license. I know people will say, well, there's no other place within 30 miles of where I live. I don't care. Move. Your license is too important. You work too hard for it. And going to the board and saying, well, that we were short staffed is not going to help you. You are still bound to follow the Nurse Practice Act. So what would you say to a nurse who's coming on shift who has received a very risky assignment that they don't feel comfortable taking? So I would say talk to your supervisor supervisor and put something in writing that you are you express concern about this assignment you don't feel it was safe and if anything happens you don't want to be held responsible of course that's not going to happen you will be but at least document your concerns in writing if your supervisor is not there talk to whoever supervisor's there and then your direct supervisor put it under their door and keep a copy for yourself that way if something happens you at least have a memorandum of it always keep your paper trail always put things in writing i know some well many unions if not not all unions have protests of assignments. So would you recommend that the nurse who works for a hospital with a union that does have a protest of assignment actually complete one of those when they don't feel like they have a safe assignment? Absolutely. If you don't feel like you have a safe assignment, go to your supervisor. I'm not familiar with unions because we don't have them in Indiana, but um, definitely um, talk to your supervisor and express your concern and put it in writing. Keep your paper towel. Perfect. And then this next question is a little bit lengthy as well, but uh, it was one of the most voted questions. Oh, can I, can I, um, sorry. Uh, 
you know, you probably have an email at work. You know, you're not going to be able to access that if you leave. So you might want to email it. Don't email yourself from work either because they're concerned that, you know, you're letting work stuff out of the workplace. So don't do that. They can see everything that you do, everything, whether you delete it or not. They can see everything you do on that computer. So be careful of using a work email. And if you are going to send an email to somebody, then just print it off. And I would definitely not have your license go to a work email because if you leave that job and they notify you it's time to renew and you're not there and you don't have it, you know, and also like at least in Illinois where I'm also licensed, they will send any complaints or things uh, they were spending over a million dollars a year on postage. So they just said, now we're just going to email them and that will be considered adequate notice. So again, you want to make sure that you're not using your work email because if you leave and they email you something you have to respond to, they're going to take action without you. I think um, nurses who don't keep their address correct with the board, that's a, a real problem as well, because if they try to reach you and they can't, they're going to take action against you. Interesting. So I have a question that I want to ask from one of our viewers. But before we get to that, I thought I could ask, have you ever represented any nurses who have been fired for posting on social media? Because that's something that I see quite often now. Many nurses are being fired because they're posting videos on TikTok or on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Have you represented anybody like that yet? Yes. Yes. In fact, these nurses, there was a private group, even on a private group, you're not protected. It is not your platform. You don't own it. Anything on there is discoverable. So some nurses were discussing funeral arrangements for a patient and they got in trouble. So yeah, anything you post on social media, you can get in trouble. So don't post anything about patients or about your day or about work or anything, because even if you're looking for a job, they're going to look you up and see what they can find out about you. Okay. Another question that I got, this is one of the most popular questions is, should nurses buy their own malpractice insurance? Absolutely. Yes. I used to say it was a choice. Now I absolutely say yes. And the reason why is because if your position is adverse to the hospitals, you get your own attorney by having your own insurance. Secondly, anybody can file a claim against you no matter what. I mean, I've had ex-husbands do it, you know, you name it. And now the nurse is stuck defending themselves. So at least with the right policy, you'll get professional licensing defense, which is invaluable. So um, I definitely think having your own attorney attorney and to have assistance if you do have to go before the board is invaluable. So, and it's not that expensive. I know hospitals don't want you to have your own insurance because they want their attorneys to handle it if your position is different. But I've had nurses come to me and say, well, the case was settled and I'm reported to the National Practitioner Data Bank and they reported me and there's nothing I can do now. And it's affecting my ability to get a job and things like that. They weren't even a named party in the suit. Wow. By having your own counsel, you can avoid some of that. So definitely, I think having your own insurance is very helpful. That's good to know. I need to get my liability insurance then because I had it in New York and then we moved to California and I never renewed it. I think I need to renew it now. So what is your advice for any nurse who's been called to defend their charting and nursing interventions and the like in court? Um, Get an attorney. Don't, don't use the hospital attorney. You need your own attorney. And like I said, you will live and die by your documentation. So document, document, document this business about, well, we're not paying overtime. You've got to get out of here. If you're not done, you're not done. And by law, they have to pay you overtime. Okay. So now the most popular question we've gotten is, 
I was told over documenting can open you up for liability and that it is the best to keep documenting short and concise while others think that it is essential to document as much as possible. So which is the best or the correct way to document more documentation or less documentation? I think it depends on the situation. I think, you know, you need to document what you see, feel, smell, hear, you know, and be objective. It's not a question of quantity. It's a question of, did you chart what you needed to chart? Does it adequately convey? And the best experience that I would tell you to do is go pull one of your charts, do this, you know, ask your employer to help you with this, but go pull a couple of charts from six months ago. If you were put on the stand about it, would you be able to remember based on your documentation? Makes sense. Wow. What are some of the most interesting cases you've represented? Oh, gosh. Um, okay. So I had a nurse who, and I have permission because these are stories in my books. He was working at like a subacute long-term ventilator unit where they're trying to wean him from the ventilator. And he's at a U-shaped nurse's station. He's on this side. He can see his rooms and the ventilator alarms sounds like the call light, but it's just faster. So it's beep, beep, beep. So he um, looks, he hears the beep, looks, not his patients, and it keeps going. And so he turns around and he asks the other person on the other side and says, is that your patient? And she said, yeah, everything's fine. Then she, you know, they can turn it off for like 30 seconds. So she turns it off and then it starts up again. And finally he says, well, you know, let's go take a look. And so they went to the room, they fixed whatever was going on. The patient was fine. Uh, but everybody who ignored that alarm got fired and referred to the board. And they had, yeah, they they had measurements of or of how long the alarm went off on you know each of the occasions and how long it was stopped. They had video of the hall of who walked by the room and didn't pay attention to it, and they all got fired and all got sent to the board. And they all lost their licenses. I'm guessing. No, no, uh, uh-uh. oh. they, they got probation. But okay. so the board can do one of four things: they can give you a reprimand or a censure, like a slap on the wrist. Don't do it again. They mm-hmm. can put you on probation. We just want to watch you. And then there's conditions attached to that. And then there's suspension and they can revoke your license. So those are the four things in addition to fines and continuing education. And when you're reported to the board, you do get reported if action is taken to the National Practitioner Data Bank, if anything is, is um, happened. So you, and there's other ramifications too. Like if you have a, a criminal charge uh, of um, interfering with Medicare or Medicaid patients, like theft or something like that, like a drug issue, you can get reported to the Office of the Inspector General who will put you on the Medicare and Medicaid exclusion list in which you can't take care of a Medicare or Medicaid patient for up to five years or longer. So five years for a felony. And if you're suspended or revoked, you'll get put on that list as well. Well, then that basically excludes you from working for any employer, right? Because most employers accept Medicare and Medicaid. Right. You can work like holistic cosmetics, IV home infusion type things that don't take it, but it's just not worth it. Yeah. Do you ever regret leaving nursing to become an attorney? I do miss it. I really do. But I feel like I just have different patients now. <laughs> yeah. What's the most rewarding part of being a nurse attorney for you? Um, so I tried a case in front of the board. They wanted to suspend her license. There were three allegations of patient abuse and they were from brand new nurses who really just didn't understand what happens. And so they wound up putting her on probation instead. And she was able to go to work that night because 
because of me. So, you know, that's obviously really rewarding. Or when I have nurse business owners who can quit their day job or get their first case or whatever. I love all that. I love helping nurses. So on that case with the abuse, you want to hear a quick story? Yeah. Okay. So one of the allegations was she sent a patient to the morgue uh, with a BM and they didn't feel it was ethical or, or dignity uh, for this patient. And so I asked the nurse who reported it on the stand, I said, do you remember which way you turned the patient first uh, to remove the sheet under him or clean him up or whatever it was? And she says, I don't remember. I said, well, if my client says that he was removed facing her first, would you disagree with that? And she goes, no. And I said, so you were the first one to see the BM, right? And she said, yeah. And I said, did you say something? She said, no. I said, did you clean him up? No. And I said, so you're just as guilty as she is by sending this patient to the morgue with the BM. And she was really, she goes, I'm not on trial here. And the board said, answer the question. (laughs) Oh, you're good. (laughs) So I have another question. This is not a question that's been asked by our viewers, but have you come across nurses that have reached out to you because they're being bullied at work by other nurses or other staff members? Yeah, unfortunately, it's it's such a huge problem. I refer them to the Healthy Workforce Initiative, Renee Thompson. She's like the leading expert on bullying. She's amazing. And she's trying to improve civility in healthcare for nurses and for all staff. So what can nurses do when they're being bullied at work, but nothing is being done to the bully or they're not being reprimanded in any way? Yeah, that's a tough question. I always say, you know, if I had a nurse who was bullied and kept getting in trouble because she was uh, bullied by her preceptor and her preceptor kept reporting. But again, if you don't feel like your license is safe, leave. It's not worth it. If your complaints about this bullying person are going on deaf ears, it's not worth it. But I would take classes on how to deal with it, like through the Healthy Workforce Initiative, so that you can know the skills on how to avoid those type of situations and how to diffuse them so that you're not a victim of it anymore. Gotcha. Perfect. And how can my viewers reach out to you if they have any questions or they want your services? Sure. I have two websites. My law practice website is um, yournurseattorney.com. And you can download an audio on what happens if I'm called before the board. And then the other one is empowerednurses.org, past tense, empowerednurses.org. And through that website, you can get my 101 ways to be a nurse business owner. And either of those will get you on my newsletter list. And I send out once a month a newsletter with an article on how to be a business owner, how to grow a business. Okay, so do you have a YouTube channel? If so, what is it? It's Empowered Nurses. All right, guys, that's it for this video. If you enjoyed this video, then make sure you hit the like button, subscribe to this channel. And if you want to be a guest in one of our future Road to Fire episodes, then make sure you click on the link in the description below.